From MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you found us again, the Tennis Revolution podcast. And you found us just in time because this will be the last podcast before the holiday season. So we will take a break or a hiatus in the business, I guess that's a fancy radio or TV term, um, until the uh, Australian Open. So once we, uh, once we get through the holidays... Then we'll uh, we'll wait until everybody gets excited about tennis again once the Australian Open starts rolling around. So make sure you're paying attention to tennis so you'll be ready to talk about some Grand Slam tennis. So uh, for the third time in a row, I think, I think it's the third time in a row, I am lucky to have uh, slash guest slash co-host Savannah back. Hey, everybody. Take it easy on her. She's hungover. I am. Like no, she, uh, she spent all night last night playing drunk tennis. Okay. No, yeah. she remember she hates tennis, so there's no way she would do that. It was 19 degrees last night. I uh, wasn't going to be playing tennis. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, it is cold outside, but we've got a hot topic. <laughs> that's pretty solid. Excellent radio. Uh, it's not really hot. Nobody's going to, I don't know. You're not going to care, but I think I care, and people should care. And uh, it's a, it's about a scoring change in one of the areas of tennis in our country. Have you heard about it? Yeah, because you told me like two days ago. Right, you didn't hear it, but nobody heard about it. No. All right, well, (laughs) about two or three years ago, I don't remember exactly when, um, the governing body, as they call themselves, of college tennis at the Division I level decided to jerk with our scoring system. So right now, as you know, when you play matches, you play two out of three sets with ad scoring. So when you get to deuce, hey, you got to win two in a row to win a game. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now we've been doing, you might know that because we've been doing that in tennis for a while. Right. That piece of paper right there, I think it says 141 years somewhere in here. It's right here. There it is. 141 years. Traditional scoring is what it has been known as. And Division One decided, you know what? Let's not do that. Let's go to what a lot of tournaments use for an emergency, for weather-related issues. If they have to shorten, you know, matches to get them in because of issues, weather or what have you, or they get backed up, and they they cut out something. So one of the one of the things they can cut out when they shorten in this emergency format is they take away the ads. They go to no ad. So instead of getting to deuce and then winning two in a row, you just get to deuce and the next point wins the game. So it's sort of a sudden death point. Now, for most people, they know that as a shortened format. So if you have to go, another another version of a shortened format is starting to set it to all. So if you get behind or you get weather and you only have indoor courts or you lose a half a day and you have to catch back up, you can cut... Match is short by starting at two all. You still play to six, but every set is started at two all. You can also do no ad. And it, and it does go quicker because 
You don't have those back and forth points at Deuce. That's how a lot of high schools score is no ad. Some. Yeah. Like so. we didn't, we didn't, at the high school I was at, we didn't use any ad scoring. Yeah. So it happens. You're not helping my case. Sorry. That's all right. I mean, but I don't think. It's all about the truth. that's how you play at the high school, I mean, that's how you score at the high school level. I mean, to me, it's more an el- it's more elementary type of scoring. You shouldn't do that at the Division One level. That's just I mean, there was, she goes. Now she's back on board. It's my thought process. Now so. she's back on board. Yeah. So, all right. So the idea is that, uh, or the argument was made by whoever you know makes these decisions is that they wanted to shorten matches for TV reasons for broadcasting and. Most of the people listening right now, by the way, might have fallen out of their chair laughing because they've never seen college tennis on TV. Rarely is it on TV. At most, the final matches of the men's and or the women's might pop up somewhere way after the fact. So not live, but you know, months and months after the season, you'll see you'll come across it on the tennis channel or you'll see conference matches like on the Big 12 or the Big 10 uh, network. So the Big 12 network is actually a Longhorn network. So Texas has its own network. Well, they, they need programming. So they'll show every sport. They show all kinds of stuff, including tennis. Not because they want to, because they have to. They need, they, well, they have 24-7 to fill. So they've got to put something on it. So there is some, some TV broadcasting, but not a lot. And certainly not enough to make that a serious argument. I mean, honestly, yeah. So what they have done, so for those that don't know, of course you know, Savannah, the (laughs) the veteran, veteran of uh, all things tennis. Mm -hmm. But for those out there that don't know, college tennis is, has been played. Division one was played. You play three doubles pro sets, which are eight game pro sets. So the first to eight playing ad scoring, and each match didn't count individually. You had to win at least two out of three, or you could sweep either way, and you get a doubles point. So now you've got one point. Now the team goes into singles, and they play six singles, two out of three, full sets, add scoring, and then that's each individual singles match does count as a point. So a total of six points are up for available for singles, one point for doubles for a total of? Seven. Wow. She's on point. <laughs> She is on her game. So seven. So whoever gets to four first wins. So then they decided when they shortened it, not only did they go to no ad for singles and doubles, they dropped doubles down to a six-game set. So six games, no ad. And there were cases where doubles points were lasting 15 minutes. So from the start of the, the match, three doubles teams go out, for your college, and, and you're playing three other doubles teams on the other side of the net, ready, go. And 15 minutes later, it was over. Because one match, if it took long, they didn't finish it anyway. They just pulled it off the court because the other two finished. If somebody swept them, then they got the point. So you don't have to finish the third match. Right. So there's your first problem, is that you're pulling matches off the court. So, which affects you as a player. I mean, you would hate to start being a battle, and then all of a sudden, nope, you're done. I mean, yeah, I would have hated that. Especially if you're up. Yeah. If you're yeah, down like, especially. you know, 7-2 or something, you're like, shut it down. Yeah, that happened a couple times. I so, was okay with that. So ideally, you you know, as a competitor, as a player, and as a coach, 
I want my players to finish out matches, win or lose. You're still getting stuff out of competing. You're still getting stuff out of completing that match. So pulling the match off serves no one. Uh, serves no pun intended. So I know, I got all day. It's just Dr. Pepper. It's got me on point. Uh, so that that's the first thing they did. So now you go to singles and it's no ad. And so it supposedly speeds up the game as well, which it does. Yeah, it does. But the problem with the no ad in singles, just as in doubles, but in singles is it injects an element of luck. I mean, there's always luck in sports, no matter what. You hit a net cord here and there, or the wind comes up at the right time and pushes your ball a little bit long. But when you're talking about no ad, if you have an advantage as the server, so particularly on men, on, on the men's side, mm-hmm. if you have an advantage as a server, that is almost mitigated. You know, you get to a three-all point, and anything can happen. You you don't have you don't have to grind through those deuce and add and deuce and add and deuce and add. So every time you get to a point, a three all point, there's undue. You know your advantage to some degree is is lessened. And I, it's a little bit. I don't know that I agree with that. Well, that's all right. Because I feel like luck isn't. Just because you take away the ad scoring, I mean, I don't agree with taking away the ad scoring, but just because you take it away doesn't mean that there is an increased element of luck. Well, it 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 adds a lot more opportunities for the player who's not better to win a point that essentially turns the entire match around. Because if you if you have the advantage, and we're talking about not. Take yeah, but a lot. I mean, what's the percentage of luck in tennis, though? Really, like percentage versus Let me get my calculator. percentage versus ability. You know, like ability versus luck. Like, really, what's the percentage? Because I feel like the luck percentage is like minimal. Now it sounds like it's going to sound like this podcast is scripted, but it is not. I promise you, Savannah takes no time or effort to think about these issues before we walk in here. So I do not. I haven't talked to her one bit about this. It's funny you bring that up when you start talking about numbers and percentages, because actually over time, and, and take yourself out of a in, an individual match and just look at it over the scope of a season, over not just one college team, but over the entire division, th- those percentages are going to add up or subtract in this case. So what you've had over the last two or three years, however long this thing's been going on, is you've had more upsets of teams that are well outside the top 30, beating teams inside the top 15, more so than you ever have before. You think that's luck? Well, I think, well, whatever you call it, it's, I think it's indicative of the nature of no ad versus ad. I mean, I think percentage-wise, over time, if you're playing ad scoring, you've got to do a lot more to break somebody. It's a lot more of an effort. Whereas you get to that three-point, yeah. next point's over, that's it. But I feel like that... Effort is more mental than it more mental than it is. Well, that's part of the game, right? It's most of the game. Well, ninety percent, so they say, more than half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or whatever Yogi Bear say, you don't know who Yogi Bear is. I do you? know who Yogi Bear is. Yogi Berra. Oh, not. Hey, <laughs> 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 no, that's no. That's, I was like, yeah, I know who that is. No, Yogi Berra is a 
former major. He's dead. I think he's dead. It's now. a person. It's a person. Okay, then no, he's I a, don't. He's a famous. Uh, I don't know who that is. Baseball player, Hall of Famer, but he all, he was also famous not just for his baseball, but he's also famous for a bunch of goofy quotes. I'm I'm sorry, I lost interest. That's all right. <laughs> she zoned out. So if you, but over time, it, and it's been proven out over over the match results that have ha- that have occurred in college, is that more teams who are ranked because there's more fluke. Uh, more of a fluky element involved when you when you take away really having to grind through and win and uh, you know get through that deuce point yeah so it takes a level of determination and and commitment and you know a you know strength of mind to be able to get through that too well think about look at that think think about it like this if you were i not when it's 19 degrees, but if you and I were, were to go out to a tennis court, racking in hand, one ball, and play one point, mm-hmm. and feeding counts, mm-hmm. anything could happen. Yeah. Yeah. I am a tremendous tennis player. Uh, so, but point being is, I, I should probably win, right? The uh, point, like, if we were I to play, know. if we were to play 100 points in a row. 100 points in a row, that would I'm going to win a majority of them, right? know oh my god i don't know oh my god do you think you would all right let's we've never tried all right we're gonna have to do that i haven't, that, I haven't that's played tennis in a while but that's i gonna feel be like we should segment. try this that's gonna be our segment coming back for the australia our australian open challenge let's do it we're gonna have to wait until it's 120 on the court like the australian no, let's open. do we could do an indoor court hey you know oh no what we could do huh maybe the uh producer of this podcast could fly us out to australia sort of a remote yeah He's not listening. No, not at all. So, so all right, forget me. Somebody that is better than you. Okay. Not that there's many out there. There's a lot, but that's okay. You would expect that if you were to play 100 points that you're going to win less than 50% of them if they're better, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. But if you go out and win one, or if you were to go out and play one point and that's it, Who's going to win it? I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to put money on either of you because right. it's too much of a, a, a fluke. Anything can happen within a tennis point. So when you do that in a match over and over, because essentially you get to that three-all point, which isn't called deuce anymore, I guess, then it's a crapshoot now. There's no you know cushion, so to speak, if you're the server. And, and what we're talking about is if you and I are even and I'm serving, then... I should have an advantage at that point. So every time we get to that scenario, you add that little bit of flukiness to the to the situation, and results have shown that it that over time you can have more upsets and more more times than not you can have the person that is not the better player winning matches. I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, okay. The, the facts <laughs> are the facts, you know. Oh, and how about this? Here's another aspect that really does matter. So if you're shortening matches in that regard um, without the deuce points, now three three sets in, four all in the third, you should be more tired than you are. I should be more tired than I am. But we've short, you know, we've made this sort of a, you know, instant breakfast kind of match where it's just done a microwave match and oh now God. there's no there's no physical element to it anymore. Right. So I think that's another another aspect of it. So, all right. So that's Division One. So that's just kind of a recap in case people weren't aware. So you had some notion about that division. 
Have we talked about that a while back, or is this no, the first you're hearing? This of is it? the first I'm hearing. Well, you know, a couple days ago when you said, "Hey, think about this," <laughs> that's the first I've heard of it. All right, but I I feel like I don't. I I would not like having to play as a as a player. I would not like that scoring system. Well, I would. Most players that I've talked to don't. Most coaches that are out there don't. I like being on the court. I mean, that was what I loved about playing tennis was being out there and actually playing. Right. So being out there less time. And for me, who generally speaking on our team, we were the underdogs. So when I played, we were the underdogs. And so, you know, for me to have less time on the court, it meant there was a, like a lot less percentage that I was going to actually win that match. Well, that's interesting. Because I could wear people down. Yeah. Well, there's the physical aspect of it. So, you know, the that kind of segues into a good point um, about how this affects people listening. Because ultimately, you know, I was recently on another podcast. Um, there's a there's a coach out there uh, named Chuck Creasy. He's got a podcast. Go find it. Um, it's uh. I don't know what it's called, um, but it, it's but basically he his his podcast is dedicated. A lot of what he talks about really is pertinent to college coaches. Um, now he does a lot of instructional stuff and and whatever, and and he is the winningest coach in ACC history. He's a former coach at Clemson, and uh, he's at the Citadel now, and um, and he is completely against all these scoring changes, and. And I was on his podcast talking about it the other day. I don't know when it comes out. It should be out now. Um, so look look that one up. Hopefully, uh, I did promote our show, so hopefully that'll help. I got to see what our numbers are from our producer um, after this week. But um, but what's happening now is it was just the Division One thing, and kind of nobody was really aware of it anyway. And but now it's being talked about at lower divisions. Uh huh. Now, nobody cares about lower divisions. That's fine. Right. Fans aren't, you know, we're certainly not going to be on TV. Yeah. So Division One, Division One has a chance to be on TV under the right circumstances. Um, but now they're talking about it at Division Three, And so we'll talk about maybe why they're talking about it at that level and really how the people besides college people, college players and coaches are affected uh, by it. This should this should matter to everyone who, who actually plays tennis in any capacity. So we'll talk about that when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, we're back. So, before the break, I mentioned um, D3 is now considering changing scoring. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a difference between changing the scoring system and the format, the match format. So, the match format is what I described with the three doubles and the six singles and how you compile those points. So, for instance, in Division Three, different than Division One, same format, three doubles and then six singles, but all three doubles count as an individual point. Instead of nine or seven points, it's nine uh, total. So you count all six singles, you count all three doubles, 
And uh, and the upside about that is you don't pull doubles off because you have to play them. Uh, and typically we don't pull singles off. Um, so what you were talking about before, uh, you know, wanting to be on the court longer and all that stuff, it does tie into why this should affect other people that aren't necessarily either coaching tennis or playing tennis in college. And, and that reason has to do with what ideally our game should look like in this country. And so you're, you're familiar with college basketball. Very, very vaguely. Oh, that makes me feel better. You don't just hate college tennis. So what about college football? No, nothing. Come on. I, I don't watch sports. You oh know this. God. Yeah, but I don't every watch. New Year's, there's a whole thing going on. There's a whole... New Year's? What do you... I'm at like a party. Like bowl games? You never heard... People I'm at a party. Watch, I don't watch football. People watch bowl games at parties. I, no, my need, parties are at night. You need to hang out with better people. All uh, right, so basketball and football <laughs> at the Division One level, you pretty much rarely see a youngster going from high school directly into the NBA. And you certainly don't see that in football because it's a rule. And even in baseball, you can go directly from high school to the pros. It happens all the time. Usually it hap- they have a minor league system, which is pretty extensive. So that doesn't mean you're going directly from high school to playing in Ranger Stadium. So, um, But the way the, basically ba- basketball and football work – essentially as a minor league for those sports. Now that kind of flies in the face of what a collegiate athlete's supposed to be and all that crap, which is important. I do think that's important. I said crap, but I don't mean, you know, it is important that we don't pay them. They don't, you know, make money on the side doing, you know, dirty stuff or whatever. They is don't it have, though? I don't really know if well, I agree with that. I don't want to get into that argument. That's a separate. Okay. My point being is that I've got no problem with a college athlete going to class. I have no problem with a college athlete maintaining a level of amateurism and competing within a set of rules that the NCAA sets and all that. And then going you you know going through that process with their their main goal is is getting to the professional level of their sport. Now, it's so few for, you know so small percentage of those athletes that do that. You know, less than 1% or 1% or whatever they say. But that's kind of how it works. And so you you have High school kids that are, you know, ranked through all these different places for football and basketball and everybody, you know, people follow that. And then signing day comes and so people are aware of who their school or whether they went there or not, it's still their school they're a fan of, you know, who they signed coming in as freshmen, are they gonna be redshirted, then then they go through their college career and then they're watching draft day and they get selected by their pro team. Mm-hmm. And so it's a whole cycle from the beginning to the end right. that people really follow. I mean, it's it's part of the, the whole process. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it works is because the kids that come out of high school that are projected to be really good generally end up being really good. And then some of those end up going to the pros. And certainly, if you're a professional, even if you're the Cleveland Browns, you're still really good. The Cleveland Browns are a football team. I know who they are. And they're really bad. I, were they that bad this year, too? They haven't won so a far? single game yet. Hey, well, the Cavs and the Indians did really good this year. She is on look, look at that. She's sandbagging. She's sandbagging about her sports knowledge. So, I, I might I mean, I have a lot of Cleveland knowledge, unfortunately. That is weird. So, 
It's a good city, by the way. It's really. It's a terrible it's city. It's an underrated city. My, right my ex is from that city. So a right. lot of time okay. there. Then, okay. Cleveland should die there. Yes, thank you. No, it shouldn't. <laughs> so, so it's an underrated city, but be that as it may. Um, but even the, the players on Cleveland still, their professional athletes are still great at what they do. And so there's a reason to sort of follow that pathway. I think that ideally tennis should, should be set up that way. Well, not set up that way, but it'd be nice if tennis was that way as well. It is to a much, much, much smaller scale um, because there are no gatekeepers per se in terms of entering the pro, pro ranks for tennis. I mean, you just have to win your way in. You, know, you can't just start like throwing passes down at the stadium in Cleveland and get picked up. You know, I mean, I guess you could, but it, that's not going to happen. But in tennis, you get one wild card into some small pro tournament. You win enough, you get points, and now you can automatically get entered based on your uh, points into the next tournament and then win, win, win. And, right. You know, so if you are at the level of Djokovic today and have never played a pro tournament, six months you're going to be playing at the French Open. Right. Whereas, you know, for football and basketball, you've sort of got to go through a process. Well, if tennis, if, if college tennis was set up a little more like basketball and football, I think it would ultimately lend itself to more interest if they were going into the pros like that, particularly Americans. Now, that's a whole other issue with all the internationals coming into college and, and sort of people not being tied into to college teams that way. But... um I think I think tennis would no one can name a single player right now that's going to go pro that's at an American college that is American. Yeah. Well, no, you're not a good barometer for that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you can't name me right now. Okay, so, um, but I, I think most fans at the Division One level, if you're if you're a big Longhorns fan and you follow football and you follow basketball, or you're an ACC fan, so you kind of keep up with all the. The, the teams in the ACC, UVA, and all the Carolina teams, you still have no idea about their tennis teams. Even if you're even if you're an alum of a school, you might be happy if they won a if national. If you played tennis there, maybe. Maybe well, you keep up with it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I keep up with you. But that's not, it uh, uh, shouldn't be a necessity because how many people are Alabama fans that went to Alabama? Oh. I know. We, listen, oh. I know. I know. Roll tide or roll your eyes. I got it. So, but but the point is, is you you know we rely on that sort of you know uh, connection to a program for to have fans. But it should be if you're a tennis fan and you went to Alabama, you should want to follow Alabama tennis. But you don't. You don't care because first of all, most of them are internationals, which again is a separate issue for a separate podcast. But more importantly, none of them are going rarely are any of them going to the pro level or they might try but never reach any level to where you would ever see them on ESPN 2 at 2 a.m. or whenever the Australian broadcast will be in January when we come back by the way that's our last show before Australian so get ready for the Australian um so so if 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 our game followed that sort of pathway then it would be even more important to play by traditional scoring because guess who does play by traditional scoring? Wimbledon, the Australian Open, mm-hmm. U.S. Open. You've heard of those, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've heard of Cleveland, so I'm still impressed with that. Um, 
So professional tennis is still playing traditional scoring. Right. And so... If, why would anyone else do anything differently? Right. I mean, if but that's that that should serve as the benchmark. Yeah, it absolutely should. Although they've screwed with doubles at the pro level, but that's not. They know they knew they I, were. I don't know what the scoring is at the <laughs> pro level. What is what is the scoring at the pro they, level? They play no ad, and they play two out of three with a tie break for the third set. Super tie break. Super tie break. Is that ridiculous or what? At the professional level. Now, the Grand Slams, they don't do it. And maybe at, like, some of the big, big tournaments, they don't. I'm not 100% sure either. Because, oh, okay. I mean, they, ne- better than. Well, they never show doubles on TV, rarely. Um, it's so much more fun to watch, though. Yeah. So, well, tournament directors wouldn't agree, which is why they were okay with screwing up doubles and changing the system, the scoring system, uh, to basically please tournament directors who were tired of dealing with it so much. Because doubles is a pain in the ass to deal with because no – Nobody plays it. You're, you're talking about people trying to make money off of people coming to watch. And the best players in the tournament don't play doubles. Djokovic is not playing doubles at the U.S. Open. Federer is not playing doubles huh. at the U.S. Open. Never thought about it like that. I know. Well, I used to run a pro tournament. So, but I like doubles. So, so if we followed that that pathway like other sports did... And we ultimately ended up having more Americans and better Americans going into the pro ranks, then that would be a real, real reason to put a halt to all this nonsense with no ad scoring, et cetera. Don't you think? Yes. But the problem is, we don't have that, which lends itself to a group like the ITA being able to just do whatever they want out of nowhere, and make a change that nobody wants. So, but how do they really have the power to do that? I don't know. It's very mysterious. How does Darth Vader... Ha- no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What, he's imperial dictator? Come on. It, it, it connects. Does it? Yeah. I saw us there. you not a Star Wars fan? No. Do I look like I would be a Star Wars fan? I don't know what that means. I'm not a Star Wars fan. All right. Well, I, I like Star Wars. But my, the point is, is that ultimately no one cares about college tennis, which is why these changes can happen. Because I guarantee you, if anybody talked about some ridiculous change in college football or college basketball, it'd be a huge ordeal to this degree. Now they've made some changes on how the tournament runs. So obviously we had a BCS for several years, and now it's a playoff which you probably didn't know nope oh my god (laughs) sorry by the way all the fans out there i'm looking for a co-host who's ever seen anything ever in sports i'm just kidding rude i know so all right so how so how so if if we had that pathway then there might be there might be a whole lot of resistance from a lot of areas and a lot of pressure to not make these changes the problem is there's not. Nobody is filling up stands week in and week out to watch college tennis across the country. Yeah. And that's not going to happen, I don't think. Well, yeah. well, there's a way to be a dreamer. Nice. I, I am just being realistic. All right. Well, then we need to take up paddle tennis. Apparently, that's a new and growing phenomenon. Forget paddle this. Not, I don't even know what it's about. Okay. You, you, I was like, is that just a new t- term for ping pong? Because I love ping pong. No. it's I Look it up. It's something different. <laughs> 
All right, so all right, so how does that affect people out there playing their everyday leagues and whatnot? If you just play a weekly league or three or four times a week in your case, mm-hmm. or if you have kids that play tournaments or – and I don't want to be ridiculous and say, hey, you know, really – base everything we're talking about here because your kid might go pro. I mean, it's possible, but come on, it's not. Out of everybody listening to this podcast, please, 10 years from now, let me know if one of your kids went pro. <laughs> but, I, you know, maybe people don't think about it as much or care about it as much, but, I, I mean, this is going to sound corny, but I do believe it. I think the integrity of tennis is at stake in terms of changing the scoring because we're designed to win by two. Our whole game is designed to win by two. And has been for how many years? Covering up your piece of paper. 141. There it is. 141 <laughs> years of traditional scoring. 141 years of traditional scoring. Um, and, and that's for a reason. The beauty of our game and everything that you love about the game, that's part of what this game is about. It's yeah. called traditional scoring for a reason. And so I, I do think the integrity of the game is at stake when we start chipping away at, at it like doing something like no ad. Yeah. And so that means that the kids playing in tournaments, the kids playing, you know, for their high schools or the junior, you know, tennis teams with the USTA and all that stuff, and ultimately in a high school and hopefully in the college, that you're taking something away from their experience. You're taking away part of the learning experience of playing an individual sport. Yeah. All the ups and downs that you have to deal with and all that kind of stuff. Um and it might, like I said, it might sound cheesy, but I, I, I'm serious about that. So, if we had, again, back to the college, if we had a pathway like basketball or football, there would be outcry. But the problem is there isn't. So, ultimately, this issue is not the ITA. The ITA is the governing body of college tennis. That's what they call themselves. So, they have they they basically hold the rules of college tennis. So. You want to make a rule change? They're the ones that do it. Not the NCAA. They they deal with the recruiting rules or amateurism rules or eligibility, you know, stuff like that. That's not sport specific. Each sport usually gets their rules sort of from the prevailing sporting rules that are out there across the board. So golf, the you know the USGA, you, not, you know they they kind of have rules. Right. So they just use theirs. And so for us, we have the ITA, which used to be a combination of the USTA friend at court. So all the rules that you play at, you know, that you have to follow for your leagues. Uh, We had a combination of that plus a few things that were slightly different for college tennis. Well, now now they've kind of split with that rule. The ITA now has their own rules. And so the rules are generated from that body. Therefore, they can change them. And apparently they can change them at a whim. So, but the problem is, is they can change them because nobody cares and nobody's watching. So what would change that whole scenario if we have more people? I mean, yeah. Interested in tennis. Yeah. So why don't we? I mean, I think that because it's not a team sport, people just don't have as much interest in it. And it's not a contact sport at, at all. And I think that makes a difference, too, for people's level of interest, unfortunately. Like you like to watch hockey games for the fights? 
That kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, but people also we like... We can fight in tennis if you want. People, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know. I know you would. <laughs> um, but people watch, uh, you know, even soccer is is technically, to me, some a contact sport. Yeah, definitely. You is. know, so you got soccer, football, um, basketball. Baseball's not really, I don't think, but people still fu- watch it. I mean, well, people fights. watch college baseball. So. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. That well, I think so. They might more than they do college tennis. Well, yeah, but that's come on. That's a given. I mean, I think they watch. But why? Why is I, it? I given? think they watch the math B at college. It's more than they watch tennis. No, no, no. That's what I'm getting at. All right. So everything you just said is true. All those sports are more popular. Some some reasons behind their popularity are fights in hockey, wrecks in NASCAR. Uh, you know, the Steelers Bengals today was a knockdown drag out and there's there's been some history between the two teams i'm a steelers fan and so i'm sure it was quite a popular game ratings wise i bet because of all that but people also watch the games because they're the most popular sports in our country now listen to me at the risk of you thinking that the world didn't exist before you were born Uh because you're not very old we have already established that Uh that at some point in time after the 1920s and before the 2000s, there was a thing called the tennis boom. So in the 70s and 80s, early 80s, tennis was huge. It's hard to imagine. It is hard to imagine. I mean, it was hard to imagine driving past a public facility with courts or a random park that has you know four or six courts and they're full every night and there's an hour wait every night of the week. I mean that does. When's the last time you have been driving around and seen a tennis court and just it's been packed? Unless you're mm-hmm. going to one of your league matches, that doesn't count, you know, because obviously everybody's there for that. You know, uh, I mean, I guess there are like random parks that we go and play at, and there's been a lot of times I've gone and there's a wait. Pretty much any time it's warm outside, like a season beginning of the season change. I feel. I mean, I I definitely think. More people play tennis than watch tennis, I think. I don't know. I have no idea about that. But what I'm saying is, is that... Like, I've had to wait on courts. The point being is, and you you don't have a reference to compare it to because you weren't born in the 80s. Right. Well, I was actually born in the 80s. Well, you were an infant, so you you weren't playing tennis at that time. But there was a time where every single court, everywhere, weather permitting, and even when it got a little chillier, was, was packed. And the, you know, ball sales and racket sales were through the roof. And, you know, now granted that was pre-cable, pre-satellite, pre-DirecTV with, you know, the U.S. Open channel where you have, you know, six courts you can watch. But even with the three channels that they had and maybe the UHS channels, you don't even know what that means, do you? That's all right. There was still a lot of tennis on TV relative to how many stations they had. And it's not like that anymore. So now we have dramatically more people in this country, you know, so numbers wise, we might be still pushing those, you know, that level, but percentage wise, we're not. So a few, a smaller percentage of people are playing and spending money in our game. And so I'd lay, I lay that at the feet of the USTA. It's, it's their fault that tennis isn't bigger. Which indirectly means college tennis isn't bigger 
and more popular, which in turn means all of it's their fault. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I said they they have one job. Do you know what the one job of the USDA is? Promote tennis. Pretty good. It's pretty good. It's close. I mean, that's essentially what they do, but more specifically, three words. It's on their stupid logo thing. Grow the game. I think the game they're referring to is tennis, I would hope. So it's their job to grow the game, and they have failed miserably because no one cares about tennis. Is why we have this pot. I don't know about no one. Not no one. We do. Yeah. And our 400 plus, we're up to 400 and. That's a lot. Something. A lot of people. Eh, not really, but. No, it's not a lot of people. We have 330 million people in this country. Hey, you got to start somewhere. We do. I didn't say it wasn't good that we're growing. It's not a lot of people. It's more than we had before. Yeah. And it's steadily growing, but. Uh, well, I went on Chuck Creasy's podcast, American Tennis, that's the name of it. Find it somewhere on your iTunes. Uh, and I did talk about our podcast, so Tennis Revolution. And he liked the name. Yeah. And I told him that it was the USDA's fault, and he liked that. And so that's the revolution. But, but yeah, so the USDA isn't doing their job to grow the game, which means it's not as popular, which puts us in this bind, where people that the small percentage of people that are at the top of any organization – so in college tennis specifically, the ITA and the USTA generally can do whatever they want, and there's not a lot of people to whine about it or right. complain about it or protest or yeah. I don't want to say protest in this day and age right now, but you know what I mean. So, um, so all this stuff basically now to the Division Three. So basically, I guess I didn't tell you what happened at Division Three recently. So the ITA has their annual convention for coaches, right? And I don't think they want to be on. I mean, maybe Division Three coaches do want to. I think they probably would be on TV, but I don't think they realistically think that's a possibility. Right. But they're talking about shortening matches now, too. Yeah. So they, Which would be awful. They had a straw poll type situation, and they voted, yes, we all want to shorten matches. Now how do we do it? And a good bit of them said, hey, let's kind of look at the Division One model with the no ad and the whole bit. And then others, others like the idea of shortening, but maybe not the Division One model. But what does that mean? Who knows? It still could mean, it still could mean uh, no ad. It could mean maybe not dropping to six games, keeping it at eight. Who knows? But the point being is that now at Division Three, they're talking about the same kind of things they're talking about at Division One, and it doesn't make any sense because the shortening of it is not for TV, which is what Division One said all along, and that's absurd. Nobody wants to see Division One. They do, definitely don't want to see Division Three, except moms and grandmas. And come on, you know, yeah, you know, family of so players. So now we have gone from a decent system at Division One. It's not the greatest system that they had before with the three six and playing a full, you know, ad and regular scoring and all that traditional scoring. They changed that. And they messed that up. Now it's it's filtering down to division three and it's like just leave us alone i don't know why they're messing with division three um but they want to shorten matches i guess um and so now and i don't think it's for tv i think it's just for uh work-life balance or something i don't know <laughs> i don't laugh that, that's a serious thing but you know since when is it the governing body of tennis's job to worry about me getting home for dinner. I don't. I didn't think it was their their job to worry about me, but I, it's sweet. It's sweet. So, 
The Division Three's next, and and again, that doesn't affect anybody, and nobody cares about Division Three. But it's just another symptom in the problem that the ITA is just running roughshod and making another change. And I don't know why they want to do it. It doesn't make any sense why they, as a body, would want to do it. Um. So there you go. So tennis is ruined. So we might as well shut this podcast down. <laughs> We're screwed. Tennis is not ruined. It's not changed yet. Division three hasn't. And maybe there's some hope. Maybe Division One, when nobody is on TV ever at Division One, maybe it'll go back. By the way, 141 years, right? Uh-huh. No ad. Traditional scoring. Apparently, there was... This is some, this came from old Chuck Creasy, you know, because he's been around the block. Um, He was at Clemson for over 30 years. I don't know exactly how long. Over 30 years. Legendary coach. Did he coach the men and the women? Nope. Of course not. Just, just men. Nope, they have resources. Um, so, but he, uh, but he has coached junior girls Grand Slam champions. So like, you know, have the U.S. Open, then they have the junior U.S. Open for the cheerings. So he's coached some women, some girls, they're not women yet, girls that have won Grand Slams. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I would like to think I had a part in that. I mean, he knew me, so... Uh, somewhere indirectly, I've had some level of influence on his life. There you go. So okay, get me a ring. Uh-huh. Oh, I want a ring and a yeah. plaque and a yeah. trophy. Do you? Yeah. No, I don't. All right. So no, listen to his podcast. He loves me, or at least for the for the show, he says he loves me. Awesome. All right. So, but you know, so he said that uh, this is not he, not just to relate an anecdote he heard. He was actually in the room way back in the day the first time college tennis went to no ad scoring See, it's happened before you didn't know that you didn't know it's happening now so how could you know it happened before? <laughs> yeah all right so division <laughs> one back in the day when we're talking back in the day when are we ta- when are we talking i about? guess like 70s 80s i don't know so the 80s probably early 80s late 70s early 80s so during the tennis boom that you were speaking of i guess okay so back then there were a couple of coaches in the Ivy League that suggested that put forth an idea to do a trial run for no ad scoring for a year, just the one. Uh-huh. Well, it ended up, because just like any bureaucratic entity, once you start something, it's hard to get rid of. Yeah. So they somehow it got agreed to, and it ended up st- sticking for 10 years before they got rid of it. And the reason behind it, apparently, was that schools like the Ivy League, now the Ivy League doesn't have scholarships. Even though they're Division One. they don't have scholarships because they're too awesome. They figure, you know what? You want to come to Harvard because you want to come to Harvard or Princeton or wherever because it's Princeton, not because you're getting a tennis scholarship. So these schools are typically going to be less competitive than a powerhouse like an ACC school like Clemson or like UVA is now where they have scholarship, their full complement of scholarships and go out and get any player within reason, you know, whereas Ivy League has some limitations on academics, on money, et cetera. And so the idea behind doing no ad back then was to level the playing field. The lesser teams would have less competitive teams would have a chance to play better teams and maybe beat them because of the kind of the stuff we talked about earlier with the fluky nature. So it has been done before, and 
that reasoning is exactly why we shouldn't be doing it now. So hopefully all of our 460 fans will listen and start a march, start a protest on the ITA, <laughs> which is in Phoenix. <laughs> their, their home office is in Phoenix now. That makes sense. And Phoenix is a great, great city for tennis. Well, yeah, but it used to be based in uh, New Jersey, where the former CEO or whatever executive... New Jersey is a terrible place for tennis. Right, but that's where the CEO lived. So now he, he retired, and his replacement lives in Arizona, so the whole thing got moved to Arizona. How convenient. So what are your thoughts before we ha- get out of here? Uh, I mean, I just overall, I think that the game should not be changed. I don't think the scoring should be changed. Especially not at the Division Two or Division Three or Junior College level. I just, I don't think it should have been changed at the Division One level. But it's a little too late for that. So it can be changed back, though. I mean, there's something to be said for yeah. voicing an opinion. You, you know, it can change back. Well, you were a giant pain in the ass, but you're one of the toughest broads I know. And so to put you out there and have you compete, and then have a fluky system where all the effort and et cetera, that you put into can just kind of be, you know, taken away from for some fluky reason yeah. because of the scoring system would be highly frustrating. Yes, it would be. And I think even a bit unfair. It would be. So, all right, we're, we're in agreement. We're in agreement that this is a, a travesty and that traditional scoring should be uh, restored to the Division One level and it should not be taken away from any other level. And uh, I think that is one one part of the puzzle to helping American tennis, college tennis, turn into that pathway to the pros that at some some point it could be again because it, it, it used to be. And so it is possible that it could be again. USTA just needs to do their damn job. <laughs> All right. So off until the Australian Open. Just uh, set your iTunes or whatever to automatically download so you don't have to worry about it. Keep checking. Tell all your friends. Tell all your teammates on your league teams, et cetera. Any coaches, if your coach is out there, tell your players. Players, tell your pros. And uh, spread the word. We're growing. It's happening. Whether you like it or not, we're growing. I think Savannah helped helped bring a bunch of people, so that's good. And uh, we'll see you in January. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Oh, my God. Happy holidays. Just say Merry Christmas. Be politically correct. Happy holidays. Well, I celebrate Christmas, so Merry Christmas. I don't think I'm qualified. And happy Hanukkah. But I'm not qualified Kwanzaa to say Happy Hanukkah because I don't celebrate Hanukkah. So, you still say it. But it's, I mean. It's okay. I said it for you. All right. Bye, See, see y'all next year. <laughs>